Let me invite you to turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2 as we continue our series of asking the question, what does it mean to be in Christ? And this morning we're going to look at Ephesians 2 verses 11 through 22. Uh, so uh, can you remember a time, and maybe you're on the parenting side of it now, but can you remember as a child in a moment where mom or dad got everybody together in the family and said, we don't like how you guys are behaving with each other. Uh, it wasn't that you were messing up outside of the house. It wasn't that you were being mean to your, you know, your buddies down the street uh, or your friends at school, but the siblings weren't getting along with each other. There was, there was a lot of uh, infighting and there was a lot of bickering. If you've ever been on a long car trip and you start to get in a fight in the back seat and your dad just kind of takes his arm and kind of, you know, tries to hit anything and everything that's moving back there to settle things down. Uh, Paul is asking the question this morning of uh, why should we get along as a family? Uh, clearly, the church of Jesus Christ is identified as brothers and sisters in Christ. And Paul uses that language here in Ephesians. It's all over the New Testament. Jesus uses that type of language that when describing his followers. But the question that we're looking at this morning is, how are followers to get along? What is our role to be in one another's lives? Is it, is it okay to fight with each other? Is it okay to bicker with one another? Is it okay to, to kind of be mean to one another? Or is there a different spirit that ought to be at work in the people of God, in the local community. So a lot of times when we, when we look at God's word here at Green Tree, we're looking not only at kind of what it means for us right here, but we're also asking the question, how, do, how does that translate when we go and we live out in the world? This passage of scripture solely deals with the relationship between believers. It's not looking at, at how we relate with people outside of us. It's looking at how we relate to one another within the church. And is there hostility within the church? Is there divisiveness within the church? Or is there unity as God intends? Now, what we do know is either one of those is going to say something to the world around us. If we don't get along, if we fight with one another, if we're constantly gossiping about one another, if, if racism is rampant within the church of Jesus Christ, that's going to be known in the world. If, if we are at odds with one another, that, that's going to lead to be a, a bad example of, of what God's grace was intended to be. Conversely, if we are humbled by the grace of God, if we take to heart the passage that we're going to look at this morning, then what God will do is he will use our supernatural love for one another, our care for one another, the proper perspective we'll have about ourselves he will use that to be a witness to the world around us, to the truth and the reality that is the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So how are we getting along with brothers and sisters this morning? Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 through 22, hear the word of God. Therefore, and that therefore is there because of what he said previously, which is we've been saved by the grace of God. So therefore, because you've been saved by the grace of God, Remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. 
For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments and ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in the place of two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. He came and he preached peace to you who were far off, and peace to those who were near, who through him we both, excuse me, for through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. This is the reading of God's holy and perfect word. To him alone be glory. Let's pray together. Father, we, uh, we know if we look at our own lives, we can be prone to hostility. Lord, we certainly don't have to look any further than our own country this last couple of weeks to see the, the angst, uh, the frustration, the, uh, the indignation uh, just between fellow citizens. Father, we live in a world that, that breeds divisiveness. We live in a world that, that is so corrupted that we judge others by something as, as foolish as the color of one's skin. We live with a set of presuppositions that sometimes are almost impossible to break down. And yet here we are, Lord, coming to celebrate communion with believers from all over the world. We claim unity in Christ. That isn't really the question. Lord, the question this morning is, do we live it? Is it indwelling our hearts and our minds? Is it transforming us? Is it changing our priorities? Is it causing us to look at the world through the lens of the gospel of Jesus Christ with humility and with grace, with compassion, and with a longing and a desire for unity? Or are we just in it for what we can get? Father, don't let us be like the rest of the world that doesn't know you. Not so that we can say we're better, but Lord, we want to be transformed. We want the promises of the gospel to be true, not only in our lives individually, but in our lives collectively. So Lord Jesus, we pray this morning that your spirit would be at work at Green Tree Community Church, that you would uh, take my pathetic effort and you would put your power and your word into our hearts this morning. Father, forgive my sin. Don't let me be a hindrance to your teaching. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. So it's really the question this morning is, am I a help or a hindrance to the unifying work of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Part of what the gospel does is it brings a lot of different people together under one fellowship in the Lord Jesus Christ. And the question, therefore, is, am I, am I supporting that? Am I, am I moving towards that in my own life? Am I helping build that in the local community where I find myself? Uh, or am I in some way having a neutral or a negative impact. So Paul's not writing just kind of off the top of his head as if uh, he's just kind of bouncing around to different, different issues and different thoughts that randomly come to him. He's addressing an issue in the church of Ephesus. The church of Ephesus was a church that was made up primarily of Gentile Christians, although there was a, a strong minority of, of Hebrew, of Jewish Christians as well. Now that's 
a flip-flop from the early church, from the very beginning of the church, which was born in and around Jerusalem and Judea. The church was primarily Jewish Christians, but as the church began to scatter, and as the church began to make its way into Asia Minor, into what, in what we now would call modern-day Turkey, and then into southern Europe and, and into, into Europe, it became more and more Gentile and less and less Jewish. Well, you can't believe that there was racism in the early church, right? I mean, that wasn't a problem among those first generation of Christians, was it? Well, part of what Paul had in the back of his mind is actually what had happened very early on in the life of the church. In Acts chapter 6, Acts it says this, now in these days, the days when, uh, when Jesus had, had gone to heaven, the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. Notice how that verse is worded. There, there, there was a, a problem between races, between the Hellenists and between the Jews. And the Hellenists felt that their widows, the people who needed to be cared for, were, were kind of getting the crumbs. They were being overlooked. They weren't being cared for. And notice how they looked at them, our widows, instead of our widows, right? So by nature, we have to understand that by nature, we can tend to be divisive. And just being a disciple of Jesus doesn't immediately erase that. Now, the Spirit of God wants to do that work in our heart. He wants us to be unified. It's a witness for His glory, but it's a process. And Paul understands that now the shoe, so to speak, is on the other foot in Ephesus, and, and the, the majority of Gentiles are tending to kind of think more of themselves than they ought to and less of their brothers and sisters in Christ. So Paul addresses that issue, and he addresses it head on. And I, and I think there are two things that we want to see in particular this morning. The first is Paul starts off by reminding them the natural condition in which they found themselves when they were apart from Christ. So he says, hey, you Gentiles, let's remember where you came from. Let, let's remember the backstory. So we're going to look at that for a moment or two. And then we're going to also look at what Paul says. Now, let me tell you what Jesus has done. Let me remind you of something you're already well aware of, but, but needs to sink deeply into your life so that the transforming power of the gospel can do its work. So you end up in a different place than where you started. Well, what was the natural condition of the Gentile before they knew Christ? Look at verse 12, and we will see a litany of depressing identifiers that seem to go from bad to worse. Remember, that you were at that time, before you were in Christ, when you were apart from Christ, here's what describes your life. You were separated from Christ. So it wasn't that you kind of knew who Jesus was. It kind of that you were leaning in that direction. You were, you were thinking about it. You, you, you kind of had nice thoughts about Jesus. You were separated. You, you didn't know him, and you didn't want to know him. And we've talked about that in past weeks where Paul says we were hostile in our mind towards God. We, we, we thought of the notion of God and the notion of Jesus made us push back and say, we don't want to have anything to do with it. Paul said, you might want to remember that when you think about how you treat one another, that you actually were separated from Christ. Beyond that, you were excluded from the, the nation of Israel. You were alienated from the commonwealth of Israel. Now, why is that important? Well, it's important because the Messiah came through the nation of Israel. So Paul says, don't think that you might be just like a little bit on the outside. Realize how far out you were. You, you not only were separated from Christ, you had nothing in common with the people of Israel. 
You had no interest in, in learning about uh, the foundations of their faith and how the Messiah was going to come through the nation of Israel. You were alienated. You were completely separate. He, he, he's drawing this picture of, of a wide chasm between where they were and where they've come. Not only are you separated from Christ, excluded from citizenship with Israel, but you were foreigners to the covenants of the promise. You're strangers to the covenants of the promise. What are the covenants of the promise? That was God's promise that he was going to bring redemption. So you go all the way back. If you're, new to, if you're new to the faith or if you're exploring the Christian faith, you might hear people talk about the New Testament and the Old Testament. And very simply put, the Old Testament is a history and a theology from the beginning of the world up until the time about 400 years before Jesus came. Then the New Testament starts with what we call the Gospels, and it runs through Revelation, and that deals with the time period of when Jesus came to earth all the way through to when he's going to come again, his second coming, and the establishment of the new heavens and the new earth. So altogether, collectively, the Bible spans human history. All the way back in the very first book of the Bible, the book of Genesis, we see God promising a guy named Abraham that he's going to redeem the, the world through one of his children. That's a covenant that God made with Abraham. Covenant literally means signed in blood. Think about when you're a kid, maybe, you know, you pricked your finger and you, you put it on the piece of paper. Say, so, you know, I promise I'm going to do this. God said, if I don't bring a redeemer, may I, may I be destroyed. May I be completely slaughtered. God makes this covenant promise with Abraham. And then you come to the New Testament and there it is in the person of Jesus Christ. And Paul says to the Gentiles, you didn't know a thing about that. You were completely in the dark. And again, you didn't even want to know about it. You were foreigners. You were aliens to the promise with le which left you where? Having no hope. <laughs> Have you ever felt hopeless in your life? Think about a moment in your life where you literally just kind of put your head down and you kind of just mentally and emotionally said, I quit. <laughs> I, just, I just can't go on. Now, there may be times when your circumstances were hopeless, but you didn't let yourself go there. There may have been times where, where your circumstances were really pretty bad, but you, you decided that, you know, you were just going to try to buck up. Paul's painting a stark, stark picture here. You had no hope, whether you realized it or not. You might have been singing and dancing your way to the graveyard, but ultimately that's where you were headed. You had no hope. Why? Because you were without God in the world. I mean, this is a depressing message. I don't know how you feel right now, but I'm not all that happy. It's like, what else could possibly go wrong? And, and, I, and I thought about that this week. Is how, do you, how do you describe you know, a situation that goes from bad to worse? Uh, who's been in a fender bender here? Who's ever been in a, in, a, in a minor car accident? Have you ever been in a minor car accident where you had like two giant five-gallon drums of paint you were going home to paint your house? <laughs> right. So just when you think it's bad, <laughs> it can get a lot worse. Who's afraid of heights? If you're afraid, afraid of heights, okay, you might want to close your eyes before you look at this next picture. You're going on a roller coaster, you're minding your own business, going to have a good day, you're up about 200 feet, and it stops. <laughs> and they say, just be patient, we're going to send the rescue people for you. <laughs> that just isn't a good day. Right? Like, what else could possibly happen? You get off of that, if you survive that, you get off of that, you go home and you lock yourself in your room <laughs> and you hope that nothing else happens to you. That's verse 12. Paul says, Gentile Christians. And remember, Paul was, 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 was also, he was, he was half Roman uh, and, and half Jewish. He said, remember where we came from. Nowhere. Why is that important? 
Well, because if you have been a believer for a while, you may be tempted to think you're pretty good. You may be tempted to think, you know, the Lord's pretty fortunate to have me on his side and, and, and I'm, I'm a big help to the Christian community. You may tend to think better of yourself and worse of other people. You may tend to become a person that we call self-righteous. I can identify with that. I, I wrestle with self-righteousness where I look at others and go, it is just so, so, so sad that they're not Tom Ricks. It's just, gosh, how much better the, wor- the world would be if more of us could be a Tom Ricks, right? I mean, that's, that's the ugliness of self-righteousness that can be in my heart. That doesn't build a whole lot of unity in the church of Jesus Christ. I can promise you that. So Paul says, remember where he came from. It's important that you know how broken and lost you were because you didn't fix any of that. I read an article this week, a pretty long article, actually, very interesting about LeBron James. And the majority of the article was about his childhood. It was about the, the neighborhood he grew up in in Ohio and the, the poverty and the, the difficulties that were in that particular community uh, and how uh, he's, he, he's very fortunately been brought out of that. But part of the article then talked about how he's committed to that neighborhood still and how he, he, he goes back. And, and he serves and he helps and he's working in the schools and he's working in the community centers and he's, he's trying to help others come along. He has a very humble spirit when it comes to that. And, and, and he said in the article, I don't want to ever forget. I don't want to forget there were nights where, where we had no heat and a neighbor said, come stay at our house. I don't want to ever forget the, you know, the, the first coach that, that took me under his wing and said, you know, maybe I'll, I'll put you with these guys instead of, instead of you know, getting in with a bad element in the neighborhood. And, and maybe through sports, you, you, can, you can have some relief from some of the struggles. You know, he said, I don't ever want to forget that. Christian, don't ever forget. You were saved by grace. You were lost. You were without hope, without God in the world. It's important we remember that because the work of Christ has brought us out of that. And that's the next observation Paul makes the two thoughts we want this morning. The second one is Paul focuses then not on how we dug ourselves out of that hole, but how Jesus redeemed us. And he talks about the work of Christ. Look at at verse 13. But now in Christ Jesus, and there's that word, that phrase keeps coming up over and over again in Ephesians. If you're just new to the study, start reading Ephesians. Uh, Read a little bit every day and you'll see that in Christ, in Christ Jesus, in him. It's all over the place. What? You who are once far off have been brought near by your own good works. No, by the blood of Christ. Somebody did something for you while you were far off, while you weren't seeking God. He had his finger on you and he came after you. I was walking to a, a restaurant this week and it was one of those restaurants where on the, on the door, you can kind of see yourself in the door. It's kind of the, the glass and you can kind of see. And as I'm walking in, I notice over my shoulder, about 10 steps behind me, there's a woman coming in to go to the same restaurant. So I don't turn around because I, I can see the reflection, but I grab the door and I hold it open. And she kind of looks up and she kind of looks startled. Uh, and and she says, well, 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 thank you. And uh, she said, you need to hold the door up for me. I said, well, yeah, I did because my grandmother, uh, Rick's taught me, you know, from that high on up to hold the door open for people, even if you don't know them. And I don't want her to get out of her grave and beat me with a broom that she had in her, in her closet at her house. So uh, I'm kind of obligated to this. But she was surprised that a stranger would do something kind. She was surprised somebody didn't know her would just do something nice like open the door. Now, that's nothing. That, that, that's absolutely nothing. We were strangers to Jesus. He didn't open the door for us. He gave his life for us. He poured out his blood for people who, who, who didn't want to have anything to do with him. That's the work of Christ. And then he goes on to address the issue of human hostility, for he himself is our peace 
who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. We're going to talk about a different hostility in just a minute, but this hostility to which Paul speaks here is the hostility between, between humanity. And what Paul says is that one of the things that is a byproduct of your salvation and my salvation is with every other believer in the world, tall, short, young, old, different colors, different languages, different races, we are one, both Jew and Gentile. And what Christ has done, he's broken down the dividing wall of hostility. So think about it this way. Jesus says, has, has, it's like Superman coming through the wall. I remember the old Superman shows where he, you know, he'd come through what looked like a brick wall. Jesus came through the, the, the literal brick wall of our sin. And part of him breaking through that and destroying it is bringing human relationships to a new place, to a place where there's actually love, where there's actually unity, where there's actually glory. And, and what I do in my sinfulness is I try to put the wall back together. I'm like, no, I, I kind of like that separateness. I, I like judging other people. I, I would rather not get to know them. I'd rather not sit and listen to their perspective on the race issues of St. Louis. I'd rather just build the wall up and, and keep myself safe. I, I'd rather not try to get to know new people, strangers who are walking through the door. I have enough friends as it is. Let me put that, those bricks back up. And when I do that, I'm going not, I'm not not helping Jesus. I'm going counter to the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm actually working against him. Because what his death has done is said, for God so loved the world. Not a portion of the world. The world. God forbid that we would be a church that doesn't understand that Christ has destroyed the dividing wall of human hostility and he's called us to be agents of that same work. He goes on to say the work of Christ not only brought strangers to God and destroyed that human hostility, but it brings peace with God to all who believe. Verses 15 through 17. The cross did what? It abolishes the law, the commandments expressed in the ordinance that he might create in himself one new man in the place of two, so that uh, so making peace and might reconcile us both to one another. No, both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. Now we're talking about a different hostility. Now we're talking about the hostility that a perfect and righteous God has to the sin and the rebellion in my heart. My hostile mind towards God, my, my being an enemy of God, not just being a stranger, but not wanting to have anything to do with him and then treating you terribly and having awful thoughts and awful actions and awful words. All of that makes me an enemy of God. It destroys any opportunity for relationship and God's right to judge me. He's right to call me to account. When I harm you, when I harm others, when I harm my family members, when I have an evil thought about someone, when I gossip about somebody behind their back, I should be held accountable for that. And God is hostile towards our sin that, that, that does damage to our relationship with him and does damage to others. But Jesus took that hostility. That's what the cross is. And we mentioned this last week when Jesus cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken? He's taking the wrath of God. He's taking the punishment you deserve and I deserve in order that he could do what? Give us the peace of God. Something you could never earn. Something I could never deserve. But it's freely given through the work of Christ. Therefore, many, out of the many, God has made one. Back to verse 15 and 16, right? One new man in the place of two. We are, we are the people of God. And we are, as we're going to celebrate this morning with, with millions of others all around this globe, 
multi-generations. People have been, been receiving the Lord's Supper for 2,000 years. And if Jesus doesn't come back for 2,000 more, we'll, we'll have that in common with every believer. You go to Revelation and you read the glory, the beauty of the diversity of heaven, but it's all one in faith in Christ. In fact, Paul's ministry is defined that way in Acts when, when Paul was, became a Christian. His name was Saul and it got changed to Paul. But when he became a Christian, God sent a guy named Ananias to go check on him and make sure he was doing okay. And Ananias didn't want to go because he had heard that Saul hated Christians. And then the Lord kind of had to put his foot down and say, Ananias, I need you to go. And he says this. We go to that next slide if, if you would, please. But the Lord said to him, go for he is a chosen instrument of mine. And look, to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. God was going to use Paul to be a unifying instrument of his gospel. So what happens ultimately is that everyone through faith has access to the Father through the sacrifice of Jesus. That's what verse 18 in this passage says. For through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. What has Christ done for us? He's given us access. And notice the unity of the Trinity is there. Through Jesus, through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. The unity of the Godhead is to be displayed within the church of Jesus Christ. Therefore, one new family has been created, verses 19 and 20. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens. You're fellow citizens with the saints. How cool is that? You, you, you become naturalized. You belong now to, to this new nation, but it's even more than that. And members of the household of God. God has created one new family. The, the Christian church, for those of you who are the, like in your like late 40s on up, the Christian church is like the Brady Bunch on steroids. Okay, you know, a guy and three sons and a wife and three daughters, and they all come together and they, they, they form the Brady Bunch. Well, take that times a billion, and you have the church of Jesus. You have, you have people from every language, every nation coming together as one new family. That's what the work of Christ has accomplished. That's what heaven's going to be all about. It's going to be perfect unity and harmony, not just between the Godhead and humanity, but for all of redeemed mankind. How will we respond to that this morning? How am I going to put that into practice in my life today and this week and next week? Quite frankly, the, the easiest thing we're going to do as Christians is in a few minutes, we're going to receive the Lord's Supper and we're going to say symbolically, we are part of the church universal. Well, that's an awfully easy thing to do. It doesn't, doesn't stretch my faith. It, it, it encourages my faith and it strengthens my faith. Don't hear me downplaying the, the Lord's Supper, but it's easy to kind of stand and say, of course we're unified. With, with all of believers all, all over the world. But are we living that way right here at Green Tree Community Church? Do, do I make it my passion and, 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 and deliberately look to what Christ has done for me, remembering where I came from when I engage with you in relationship? Could, it, could a person come into our, into our midst and, and hear us fighting and arguing with one another? Could a, could a stranger walk through our doors and spend an hour, hour and a half with us and leave having no one spoken to them and, and no one said hello to them or asked them, you know, their name and welcomed them into our fellowship? Where is the unity of the body of Christ expressing itself at Green Tree Community Church based on two things, our understanding of from where we have come, which leads to humility and the work that Christ has done and is doing in our lives, which transforms us. That's our prayer this morning. That, that the way we treat one another would be uh, such 
a breath of fresh air to one another, but also as a witness to the world around us that the name of Jesus will be glorified and that our souls would be nurtured. Will you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your intention. Paul wrote in verse 22, In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Lord, that is your intention, that your church, Green Tree is part of that, would be a place where you dwell, your Spirit and your Word dwell in us, in order that we would, remembering from, from where we've come spiritually, would give praise and thanks for the work of Christ and what He's done for us. But that that praise and thanksgiving would not be just verbal. It wouldn't just be songs we sing on Sunday or passages of Scripture that we, that we read, but it would actually be the way in which we live our lives. Father, I thank you for, for the, the fellowship and the unity that I see at Green Tree. I thank you that, that this morning there, there's so much hope in my heart in this passage because I, I feel like so many people, uh, my fellow brothers and sisters, are so much further down the road in me than this. But Lord, don't let us slip and, and help us continue to grow more and more into embracing the work that you've done for us in a way that it finds its expression in our relationship with one another. Lord, may our fellowship be a witness to the power, the transforming power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We pray in his name. Amen. Uh, as we come to the Lord's table this morning, and we're going we're gonna to serve you so you can, you can stay where you are. We're going to bring the elements to you this morning. Um, and let me just say a word about that. In the, uh, when we pass the, the bread, uh, kind of tucked underneath the napkin is where the gluten-free elements are. So if you need gluten-free, they're in there. You just may have to kind of turn the, turn the tray uh, to find them. Uh, but in just a couple minutes, we're going to be celebrating the Lord's Supper. And we do so in the context of Worldwide Communion Sunday. Uh, we do so remembering that there are, there are fellow Christians all around the globe that are uh, making the same expression as we, and that it hopefully encourages us. Uh, it also challenges us to continue to be faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ. But I want to remind you that this is the Lord's table. It's not Green Tree. So you may be here from another church this morning, and you're saying, well, I, you know, I don't, can I, I'm a visitor. Can I, can I receive communion? Yeah, it's not Green Tree's table. It's the Lord Jesus' table. So anyone here who's a believer in Jesus Christ is welcome at this table. If you're here this morning, you're exploring Christianity, you're not sure about it, it isn't yours yet, you're still thinking about it, uh, just let the elements go past you. Nobody's going to be staring at you and wondering what you're doing. We don't want you to feel obligated to do something kind of, you know, religious because you're in church. Uh, I would rather that uh, you took the time and just use it to, to talk to God and say, hey, if you're there, you know, is this real? Is what I'm hearing real this morning? Allow God's Spirit to speak to you. But every believer here uh, in this room and outside in the patio, Hi, patio guys, uh, and outside on the patio uh, are welcome at the Lord's table. Uh, because it's Worldwide Community Sunday, uh, I've asked Javi uh, Malave, who's on our staff here at Green Tree, to join me at the table, and we're going to offer the words of institution uh, in two different languages. Uh, mine will be English, in case you were wondering, uh, and his will be Spanish, but uh, I'm going to ask him to go first, but listen, and some of you speak Spanish. Uh, these are the words that the Lord uh, Jesus gives to us as we come to his table. So let's prayerfully listen. El Señor Jesús, la noche que fue entregado, tomó pan y habiendo dado gracias, lo partió y dijo, Tomar, comer, este es mi cuerpo partido por ti. Haced esto en memoria de mí. 
Asimismo, tomó también la copa después de haber cenado diciendo, Esta copa es el nuevo pacto en mi sangre, derramado por vuestros pecados. Cada vez que lo toméis, hacedlo en memoria de mí. Así pues, todas las veces que comeréis este pan y beberéis esta copa, anunciáis a la venida del Señor en el mundo. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and after he'd given thanks, he broke it and he gave it to his disciples. And he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. After they'd eaten, he took the cup, and when he poured it, he passed it to his disciples. He said, this cup represents the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for the remission of sins. All of you drink from it, because as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Would you pray with me? Father, we come this morning seeking the unity that is found only in the Lord Jesus and the power of his spirit. Father, we thank you for the unity in the, in the Godhead and the Father, the Son, and the Spirit and, and how you promised to share that with your people. So Lord, we cry out to you this morning, longing for uh, the unity that Paul describes praising you that the dividing wall of hostility between us and you has been broken down through the cross of Jesus and asking that, that that transforming power would be at work in our hearts to continue to create a fellowship where love and compassion and kindness are, are common among the people of God and a witness to the grace of the Lord Jesus. Lord, we know because of where we come from, we can't do that on our own. It comes only through your power. So we pray that you would do that work in our hearts. And part of that work, Father, we pray would be done as you are, Lord Jesus, spiritually present in these elements. We pray that you would nourish your people. We pray in your name. Amen.